What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Thursday to you. You know what we do on Thursdays during game weeks. We get into the weeds regarding the Bills' upcoming opponent, and this week it's the Miami Dolphins. And I know this game has a weird feel to it. This is a Dolphins team that is tanking. They're not really equipped to win football games this year. It's a Buffalo Bills team coming out of a bye week. And um, the dynamics of this football game feel kind of weird. The Bills are 16.5-point favorites at home. I think everyone's expectation is for the Bills to win this football game, and the real debate is by how many points. And so let's let's talk about this opponent. I know that you guys probably don't have a lot of respect for the Miami Dolphins and the type of football team that they are, and they are undermanned, and they've got a lot of issues. And the Bills really have an opportunity here to – uh, have what I would like to call a tune-up game. You know, I don't want to just give the Bills a win, but it's an interesting week for the Bills because they have everyone healthy right now for the most part. You look at the injury report uh, going into the Wednesday practice, and really the only guys on there were Matt Milano and Corey Thompson who were limited, but everyone else was full, right? You've got Tyler Croft. you got Devin Singletary. You've got Taron Johnson, guys that – We expect to have important roles on this football team that haven't been part of the mix really in a while, and they need to get reacclimated to the offense or defense. And so I think this is an important game for a lot of reasons uh, in terms of everyone's healthy, but getting guys back into the lineup, back into the rhythm of the season, and gear up for some difficult games that are coming. Right after this week, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bills have the game against Dallas and Baltimore. Another date with the Patriots. Pittsburgh's coming up. So this is an important game for the Bills to get recalibrated out of the bye and position themselves to uh, to really go on a run here. And um, that starts with winning this game against Miami. So let's get into the nuts and bolts like we always do on Thursdays. This game is on Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time in Orchard Park, New York at New Era Field. It's broadcasted on CBS. Andrew Catalan is your play-by-play guy. James Lofton is the analyst. I don't have any negative comments about that duo. That seems like a fine group for the most part whenever I listen to them call football games. The teams have met 110 times in history. The Dolphins have won 61. The Bills have won 48. And there was a tie back in 1968. So the Bills got some room to make up here in the all-time series. And hopefully that'll uh, happen on Sunday. As you guys know, the Bills are 4-1 coming out of the bye. The Dolphins are 0-5. Let's look at their resume this season. They lost in Week 1, 59-10 to the Ravens. They lost in Week 2, 43-0 to the Patriots. They lost at Dallas, 31-6. They lost at home to the Chargers, 30-10. They lost to the Redskins last week, 17-16. Some interesting notes on their schedule to date. They've had four out of five games so far this season at home. This is only their second road game of the season. So they've been pretty comfortable down there in South Florida. And they're coming up to uh, Western New York for their second road game of the season. The Bills have already played three, won all three of them. 
Um, the other note here is they're they're playing tighter games now. I know that the the quality of opponents have certainly declined. I mean, they played Ravens, Pats, Cowboys to start the year, and they lost by 49, 43, uh, 25, then 20 to the Chargers, then by one to the Redskins. And um, you know, like we already mentioned, this team's tanking. This is not a team that is equipped to win football games this season. But what they are equipped with is plenty of draft draft capital in the coming year. So looking at 2020 and 2021, in 2020, they have three first-round picks. They have two second-round picks. They have two third-round picks, potentially. They're likely going to get a compensatory pick in the third round. They have a fourth. They have uh, two-fifths. They have two-sixths. They have two-sevenths. In 2021, they have two first-round picks. They have two second-round picks. And, uh, of course, their own picks third through sixth round. So they, this is a team with a lot of draft capital. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to do a lot of things in the draft in terms of adding young players to their football team, talented young football players. And so, um, you know, they got a hit on draft picks. They're certainly counting on that as part of the recipe. Um, and they're going to have, you know, a, a prop, probably the number one pick in the 2020 draft. They'll pick high again in 2021. Like I said, two more first rounders after their own first round pick this year. Plus, they'll probably have like pick 33, which is like basically four first round picks. The draft capital is going to be there for them to add talent to this football team. I think the big challenge for Miami is being able to add enough meaningful veterans to the group to really help with the development, and help with the leadership component. You saw that with the Bills. What made the Bills rebuild so effective was not just the young players that they added to the roster in the top rounds, but also on day three of the draft. It was being able to get a veteran in every single position room and really help connect Sean McDermott's message to the locker room, but also help that room in general learn how to be pros, learn how to prepare for football games, learn how to take care of their bodies and train and all those types of things. And I think that can't be overstated enough when it comes to talking about why the Bills are at the point that they're at right now. That's going to be a big challenge for Miami because we've already seen it. Jadavion Clowney did not want to go to the Miami Dolphins. And I think it's going to be a challenge for them despite having a lot of cap space. They have a ton of cap space to work with. How are they going to convince enough meaningful veterans to take the money in Miami believe that they're going to hit on draft picks and be part of what's going on down there. I think there's going to be a lot of doubt. So everyone has their jokes about guys not wanting to come to Buffalo. Well, guess what? They don't want to go to South Florida, Miami. We saw it with Clowney already. So that's going to be a big challenge. And obviously, they've traded away some good players in Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Laramie Tunsil, uh, Kenny Stills, those types of players. And in doing so, they've created holes. So yes, they have got draft capital back, but it does come at the expense of a hole. Now, I do understand with the Tunsil deal, they got multiple first-round picks. So they're probably going to have to draft an offensive tackle with one of those picks, but then they still have another first and another second that helps ease the hole that they created and gives them an opportunity to create more good players by drafting them because he got they got more than just one pick for Tunsil. So, look, they've got a lot of work to do. This isn't going to be fixed overnight. It's not going to be fixed in one offseason. It's going to take time. And if it works, they're going to be set up very nicely. And that's going to come down to their scouting department and general manager Chris Greer's ability to hit on draft picks. Um, all right, so let's talk about their head coach, Brian Flores. He's in his first season as head coach, searching for his first win 
as an NFL coach. He's coached aggressively. He went for two last uh, last week on the last play of the game. It was a 17-16 to game. Ryan Fitzpatrick led a drive, uh, tied up the game. If they would have kicked an extra point, it would have been tied. They went up to overtime, but they went for two. They did not uh, convert, and they lost the football game. They've had surprise onside kicks. They've had fake punts. They've went for it on fourth down. Brian Flores is coaching to win football games, and he's being aggressive in the things that he's doing. There's been trick plays. All that stuff exists. So you, you have to expect that. You know, I mean, they've certainly depleted the roster and made it difficult for them to win football games. But Brian Flores is not coaching to lose. So just keep that in mind with with this football team. When you see them be aggressive, um, they're not trying to lose games. Their players are competing to win. They're just undermanned. Um, we talked, I said every week I was going to tell you every team's or every coach's challenge record. And so I'll give you uh, Brian Flores so far in five games as an NFL head coach, he's Challenged two plays, and both were overturned. So he's 2-0, undefeated when it comes to challenging plays, which is, uh, you know, even Sean McDermott, after over two years of being a head coach in the NFL, he's never had a play overturned. So kudos to Brian Flores for getting that piece right. Uh, He comes over from New England. He was with the, the Patriots organization for 15 years. He was a scout from 2004 to 2007. And then he was an assistant for uh, Bill Belichick starting in 2008. He's been like a secondary coach. He's been a linebacker's coach. Never officially a coordinator. Um, Obviously, he deserves a lot of credit for the defensive success of the New England Patriots, in addition to Matt Patricia and, of course, Bill Belichick. Um, But he he never officially had that title. And that's kind of been a funky thing for Bill Belichick at times. Like right now, their defensive coordinator's unlisted, but people believe it's Gerard Mayo, but some people say it's Bill Belichick. Uh, who knows? But Brian Flores did play an important role there, and he's the latest Belichick disciple to get a chance to be an NFL head coach, which we've seen come with um, mixed results, right? A lot of guys kind of flaked out and didn't have success. Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini. Uh, you've seen some guys do pretty well. Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia. Seems like there's some promise there with Detroit. And now, of course, Brian Flores uh, with his chance in Miami. He's a culture guy. You know, he's a guy, if you listen to him talk, he sounds a lot like Sean McDermott. Maybe not exactly with the messaging, uh, but stylistically, just I think what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it is very similar. I think they're embracing that type of thing. You know, think about the landscape of the NFL. You're seeing guys like Zach Taylor. You're seeing guys like Cliff Kingsbury. You're seeing guys like Matt LaFleur getting head coaching jobs. All those guys are offensive-minded people. Well, Brian Flores isn't that. He's a defensive-minded coach. And so it's it's definitely, when they made this decision to go with Brian Flores, it was going away from that trend of big-time offensive innovators and going with more of the culture CEO-type leader. And um, I, I tend to think that matters. I think that's more important. I'd rather have Brian Flores than Zach Taylor. I really would. I'd rather have Brian Flores than Matt LaFleur or Cliff Kingsbury. Just to be completely honest, going into those decisions – uh, in terms of just the type of leader I would want for my locker room. So you have those uh, those types of parallels to McDermott. I think I think they're trying to do a lot of similar things with uh, what the Bills are doing with culture. Uh, one other note here on Flores and his football team. This team has only been penalized 28 times in five games, 31st in the NFL. Even Sean McDermott mentioned that in his press conference on Wednesday that that Miami wasn't a team that beat themselves in terms of penalties. 
And so uh, I don't know if maybe there's some pity from the NFL referees. The games aren't very competitive, and so uh, they're, <laughs> they're not calling stuff on them. But uh, that's a very few amount of penalties across five football games, just 28, 31st in the NFL. So they, they do a good job of, uh, of challenging plays and not getting penalties called on them. Their quarterback this week is Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is <laughs> – it's been a uh, uh, you know musical chairs for the Miami Dolphins. They committed to Fitz, benched him, put in Rosen. Uh, now they're back to Fitz. They've they said Rosen was going to be the quarterback for the rest of the year going into last week. They said it on Monday that he was going to be the starter, and lo and behold, by the time what Wednesday comes around, Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starting quarterback for this week. And I honestly believe it becomes a tougher game with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't necessarily think Ryan Fitzpatrick's a world beater at quarterback, but I have more confidence in his ability to engineer uh, uh, offense and lead the team to a victory than I would Josh Rosen, especially against the Bills defense. Could you imagine a quarterback as raw as Josh Rosen going up against this Bills defense? It would be a disaster. And I think Brian Flores recognized that, and he went with the veteran and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you guys know him. I mean, this is probably the most familiar quarterback we've talked about so far because he was the Bills quarterback for a number of years, and very much that's what he is as a player in the NFL. He's played in 145 games. He started 128 of them. Uh, Since 2005, he started games for the Rams, Bengals, Bills, Titans, Texans, Jets, Bucks, Dolphins, and, um, you know, he's very experienced. He's um, one interesting note real quick before I go any further is Miami has not played the same quarterback for every snap in a game yet, right? Whether it's been benching a guy, benching Rosen for Fitz or benching Fitz for Rosen, or there was one game where one of them left for a handful of plays because they were injured. They've not had the same guy play every snap. And so as much as we talk about Fitz being the quarterback, if he goes out there and just, you know, throws interception after interception, which he can do, as we know, They'll go to Rosen. That's they've that's what they've done all year long. So as much as we talk about fits, be prepared for the possibility that Rosen plays in this game. We always got to talk about the pressure differences in quarterbacks because I think they matter a ton, and it does for Fitzpatrick. So far this season, uh, when he's not pressured, Fitz is completing 65% of his passes, 6.8 yards per attempt, and a passer rating of 72.1. When he is pressured, completion percentage is 36.5. His yards per attempt is 4.9. His rating is 33.9. If you pressure Fitz, he's done. That's I mean, He does not handle pressure well. He handles the blitz very well. So you, you need to create organic pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he will struggle. That's the book on Fitzpatrick. Uh, and far as deep passing goes, so far this season, he's five completions on 16 attempts on passes that are aimed 20 yards down the field or more. Um, This is interesting. We talk a lot about play action percentage. Uh, He's 26.3% of his passing plays come on play action. That's 15th in the league, so an average play action team. But this is is really neat. Um, When we think about Fitzpatrick, we often think about a guy that gets the ball out of his hands very quick. You saw that uh, with the Jets. You saw that in Buffalo, right? He's very hard to sack because he just gets the ball out so quick. Well, this year, on 40% of his dropbacks, he's getting the ball out in under 2.5 seconds. When he does, 70% completion percentage and a 104.7 rating. Again, 70%, 104.7 rating when he gets it out under 2.5 seconds. When he doesn't, 60% of the time he doesn't, he completes the ball 46.2% of the time and a rating of 304 
So if you can make him hold on to the football, if you can disguise some coverage, make it difficult for him to get a pre-snap read, make him hold the ball a little bit, he becomes really ineffective. So find ways to make Fitz uh, think about where he's going to go with the football, get him to pause and hesitate, and the rails come off. And if you just let him rock and rhythm three steps, get the ball out, he's going to be efficient. He is. That's Fitz. You guys know that. Peloton is offering a limited-time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout from home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. Welcome back. Let's talk about the rest of the offense here. It's coordinated by Chad O'Shea, who's 46 years old, and he's in his first season as an NFL coordinator. He was an assistant with the Chiefs from 2003 to 2005, an assistant with the Vikings from 2006 to 2008. And then he was the wide receiver coach for the New England Patriots from 2009 to 2018. So he brings with him the Patriots style of offense. I don't think he quite has the personnel to run it, but that's stylistically what you're going to want to get or what he wants to get out of his unit. And his unit has been really bad so far in 2019. They're scoring a whopping 8.4 points per game. 8.4 points per game is what they're averaging through five games. That's 32nd in the NFL. They're getting 234 total yards per game. That's 31st. They're getting 176 passing yards per game. That's 31st. They're getting 58 rushing yards per game. That's 31st. I mean, brutal. Just an anemic offense. They cannot produce. They're struggling. They don't have very good talent, right? So that, that goes into it. Um, Looking at their weapons, their leading receiver this year is Preston Williams. He's an undrafted free agent out of Colorado State. He's been targeted 35 times. He has 232 receiving yards. He's a big-bodied physical receiver, guy that they've challenged uh, to go vertically and and win and trust his ball skills and size to really adjust and make plays down the field. There's been some variance there, but he is capable of kind of using that size and his ball skills to his advantage and making plays down the field. Their uh, second receiver is Devontae Parker, former first-round pick of theirs out of Louisville. Uh, Kind of in uh, a make-or-break year a little bit. Feels like he's been in one of those for several years. He's flashy. Uh, He has good moments of physicality. He has good size, uh, but he's very inconsistent. He's got 229 yards and 27 targets. Their third most targeted guy this year so far is their running back, Kenyon Drake, who has 137 receiving yards on 26 targets. He's very good as a receiving back. So they'll want to get him the ball in screens and on some design throws. And he's been effective in that role, not just you know, this year at times, but last year as well. Uh, they like to get Jakeem Grant, their slot receiver, the football a little bit. Uh, 19 targets, only 52 yards, but he brings a lot of speed to the table. He's very small. I mean, he's like 5'6", and you know he, you can fit him in your pocket. And he runs 4'3", but um, you know he's very potent. He's just not, They've not been very effective getting in the ball this year. Their tight end is Mike Gusecki, who they've targeted 14 times this year, and he has 102 yards receiving. He's very uh, dynamic in terms of the combine that he put together, uh, but he's been very inconsistent in terms of those traits showing up on the field. Uh, He's got some talent, and he's finding his way in the NFL, but it's coming along slowly, um, and he is starting to get more opportunities. He plays a good amount of snaps. He's just not been that most that that effective guy yet that they probably envisioned when they drafted him in the second round a couple years ago. Uh, the rest of their tight ends, that Mike Kosecki is their lead guy. Durham Smythe is a guy they drafted 
uh, a couple years ago. He's more of a blocking specialist. And then their third tight end is Nick O'Leary. You guys know him from his days in Buffalo. You probably remember he's uh, Jack Nicholas' grandson. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, those are the three tight ends that they play. The running backs, like I mentioned, Kenyon Drake, who's a pretty good receiver. He's carried the ball 41 times this year for 153 yards. Uh, that's 3.7 yards per carry, 2.61 of that coming after contact. Their number two back is Kalen Balage. Uh, he's a relatively young player out of Arizona State. He's carried the ball 22 times for 36 yards this year, 1.6 yards per carry, 1.36 after contact him. Mean, he's a really dynamic athlete. He's just not a very nuanced football player. And uh, that was pretty obvious when you watch his tape at Arizona State. And he's really kind of having a hard time in the NFL so far. And obviously the environment's not very good for him to produce. They also have Mark Walton, uh, who was a, uh, out of Miami a couple years ago. The Bengals drafted him. They cut him, and now he's with the, ba- uh, with the Dolphins. He has 16 carries for 71 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Uh, so, I mean, really just not a whole lot to be concerned with in terms of their weapons. Uh, they have some athleticism there. And Gusecki, he's just not been that consistent of a playmaker. They have some size at receiver in Parker and Williams. Uh, but, you know, nothing that is going to keep you up at night or get you nervous about uh, not being able to handle those matchups. Now, the Bills have to go out and play and do the things that they do all the time. Um, but, you know, they certainly feel like the Bills' defense can handle these guys. Their offensive line is very poor. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's much in the way of starting caliber players on this offensive line. They've struggled a lot this year. Their left tackles Jamarcus Webb. Their left guards Michael Dieter. He's a rookie out of Wisconsin. Player I liked a lot coming out. Thought he was definitely worth a day two pick. A guy that could start and be a good player. Um, but I think it's difficult in this environment for him to play well on the field and you know they bounced him around between positions a little bit already which is something he did at Wisconsin but that's a lot harder to do in the NFL especially in this infrastructure their center is Daniel Kilgore who I thought had a chance to be a reasonable starter for them he was injured they signed him last year uh, missed the season came back this year and and has not played well Uh, but nobody has for this team on offense really their right guard is Evan Bame their right tackle is Jesse Davis Again, more backup caliber players. So the most interesting pieces of this offensive line to me are Dieter and Kilgore, but honestly, neither one of them is playing well so far this season. And uh, this is a group that you look at and you say the Bills need to to dominate the matchup. They need to win 1v1 matchups, and they need to make plays and get behind the line of scrimmage and keep this Dolphins schedule off, this Dolphins offense off schedule, make it miserable for them, and um, can you know just kind of just win, just win those matchups. You should be able to win those matchups. I expect the Bills defense to win those matchups. Do you ever find yourself wishing that you can make some extra cash with your NFL knowledge? My bookie, they want to make your dream come true this season. Between football season, the MLB playoffs, and the start of the NBA and NHL seasons, it's time to get off the sideline and into the action. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win than they do. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with MyBookie. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit by using our promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. 
I'm actually I have the Sabers game on as I uh, as I record this podcast, and they just scored a goal, uh, one to nothing here over Anaheim with 12:25 left in the first period. So go Sabers. Uh, let's talk about the defense here. This defense is not they don't list a coordinator. <laughs> it's it's one of those Belichick things. Flores has fallen right in line with that. Brian Flores is the defensive coordinator, also the head coach. Um, and, um, you know, you can think about stylistically what the Patriots do on defense and apply that to um, what, you know, what you're, what they want to run with the Dolphins once they have the personnel to do it, but they don't really have the personnel to do it. So a very multiple scheme, one that likes to play the matchups, use guys in niche roles, heavy-handed, physical, powerful defensive linemen. That's the vision. That's what they want to build here in New England or with Miami, but obviously the personnel is just nowhere near ready to do that. Um, on their defensive line, they're, they're down linemen. They play three of them primarily. Uh, Christian Wilkins, their first-round pick. Uh, we talked about him a lot as a possibility for the Bills at number nine, but Ed Oliver fell down there. Uh, he's a big-time culture guy, plays with a lot of juice, a lot of energy. He's not been overly dynamic this season. I think he's had good moments. Um, but again, I think you know some of the players that I like on this roster that aren't playing well, I think it just goes into the o- overall infrastructure of the team and the environment. It's just tough to make plays when you don't have any good players around you. Uh, Devon Godchow is a player with some juice that they have. Uh, been around for a couple years there. Uh, maybe a building block on the defensive line. Uh, has some penetration skills. Um, pretty good player. He's a, he's a reasonable player. And then John Jenkins, who's more of a, a plug and knows a run stuffer uh, that that plays on early downs for them. They're edge rushers. They play a lot of different guys in this position. They just picked up T- Taco Charlton, who the Dallas Cowboys released, who was a first-round pick for them in 2017. And he's played pretty well. He's got a couple sacks so far in, in three games with with um, Miami. And, and so I'm certainly, I'm guessing, you know, they're certainly hoping that he's going to turn his career around and find his way and show that promise of a first-round pick. And he's shown some good flashes so far for them. Vince Beagle is uh, one of their outside linebacker, edge rusher type players. Uh, they've done well to kind of manufacture some opportunity, opportunities for him to play forward and attack gaps. And, you know, you think about some of those versatile uh, Patriots linebackers that you see. I mean, this is kind of a guy that fits that mold a little bit that can uh, be used to kind of set the edge. You can create some chances for him uh, to, uh, to blitz and clear out some lanes for him. And he can do some things. He's a very urgent player, plays with good energy. They play Charles Harris, who was their own first-round pick in 2017, who's been a total disappointment. Liability against the run. He's not been an effective pass rusher. Uh, he's teetering on bust status, if not already uh, earning that label. And then Avery Moss is a player who um, I, I think I liked him a decent amount coming out of Youngstown State. He was like a, a fourth-round pick of the New York Giants. They cut him. He's with Miami. I think he's got some talent. He's playing a little bit for this defense. Um, but uh, he's another one of their edge rushers, uh, edge defenders that plays. At linebacker, they primarily play three guys. Um, a couple here that I think they they like. Um, their their Mike linebacker is Raquan McMillan. Um, he's a limited player. He's a really good downhill run defender, but when you ask him to play in space or you stress his range or you ask him to cover guys, that's just not what he can do. But if you want him to bang between the tackles against the run, that's the type of thing that he can do pretty well. So he'll play on early downs and run downs, and um, you'll know you'll see him meet Frank Gore in the hole, uh, you know, plenty of times in that fo- uh, the football game on Sunday. They also have Jerome Baker, who's a very rangy guy who really played well in 2018, and he's not playing well so far in 2019. 
There's some promise there. There's some athleticism there. He can, you know, he certainly certainly can move. He's one of the most athletic linebackers in football. Um, but you know, he's not playing well for this team so far this year. Then they also play San Aguavan. Um, in you know, he comes in for Ray Mc, Ray McMillan on uh, on you know situations where they're going to pass the football, where they need a guy with some more range and space. He's a smaller linebacker, but he's got some mobility and certainly. You know, kind of masks some of those deficiencies that you would you would get if Ray, Raquan McMillan was in the game. Um, at cornerback, uh, you know they paid they paid Xavier Howard a ton of money to be their premier cornerback, and you've you've seen what this guy can do. He can play really well. He can make big time plays on the football. I mean, a ton of interceptions over the last few seasons, several coming against the Bills. So uh, he's a number one corner. I think a lot of people regard him as one of the best in the league. He's not played that well this year. I mean, he's giving up 128 excuse me, 141.2 passer rating against his coverage so far this year. He's been flagged for five penalties, given up two touchdowns. He's given up a reception percentage of 79 or 78. So, I mean, he's he's not playing well this year, uh, but he's paid like he's the best corner in football. They have Eric Rowe, who's a long physical corner, but he's going to have problems running with anyone that has speed. And he's been getting burnt this year as well. He's giving up a reception on 70% of the targets to his coverage. Two touchdowns given up and a passer rating against his coverage of 128.9. Um, given up almost 14 yards per reception when when uh, when targeted. So, you know, those guys are struggling. They are. Their slot corner is Jamal Wiltz. Um, he's been getting burnt all year long. 143.2 rating against his coverage. He's given up 161 yards on 14 targets. 65% completion percentage. He's given up two touchdowns. Now, he'll tackle. That's one thing I'll say about Wiltz. He'll come down and tackle. He'll be a physical run defender from the slot. Um, those types of things. But, you know, he has a hard time sticking with guys in coverage. And that's been true for pretty much their entire secondary. Their safeties are Bobby McCain, who is a player that I thought they wanted to be their slot corner. They kicked him back uh, to safety so far this year. And uh, he's played okay. Um, you can tell he's a smart player in coverage. He knows where he's supposed to be. That doesn't mask all the other issues they have on the back end, but he's a pretty sound player that's transitioned pretty well from corner to safety. And then the other safety is Rashad Jones. You guys know him well. He's been part of the Knicks for a while. Still still coming up and playing well against the run. Still physical tackling. Um, you know, you can isolate him in coverage and you can you can get by him. I and mean, he's given up uh, six completions so far this year for 71 yards, a passer rating against his coverage of 149. He's given up two touchdowns. So he can be had in coverage, but he's still that same physical downhill guy that can really come come down and tackle and, and be physical and aggressive, play in the box, those types of things. Finish up by talking about the specialists that they have. The returner is Jakeem Grant, their slot receiver, very fast. Like, like I said, you can fit him in your pocket, but he runs 4-3, very explosive player, so you know you got to you got to stay in your lanes and you've got to take good angles because he you know he's dangerous because he's so fast um he hasn't got a whole lot of chances to return punts because the dolphins defense doesn't force a lot of punts um but he's their guy primary guy as as a punt and kick returner uh their their punter is Matt Hack he's a solid punter he's in their third year as the dolphins preferred punter and he does a nice job for them wouldn't call him one of the game's best wouldn't call him one of the game's worst he's a solid NFL punter their kicker is Jason Sanders. He was a rookie last year and hit 90% of his, his kicks as a rookie, but so far not so good this year. He's only making 62.5% of his field goals, and he's uh, one of uh, see here's one, one of four from beyond 40 yards so far this year. 
So he's he's had some struggles with you know not not the chip shots, and so um, you know he's only attempted three extra points. So I'm, I, he's probably having a hard time finding his rhythm because he doesn't get a lot of chances to kick in games. Uh, he had a good year, like I said, in 20, uh, 2018, but you know the struggles have been there so far this year. So it's been hard to make field goals against the Bills so far this year, and um, you know Sanders hasn't necessarily been the most reliable uh, this season for Miami. So there you have it. There's your your Dolphins comprehensive primer. Um, hopefully you feel well prepared for this football game on Sunday in terms of who the Bills' opponent is, their key players, you know, stylistically what they do, some overall philosophy with their football team, and um, you know you should you should feel good about this game. But you have to respect these opponents. They're all NFL players. They're playing to win. You know, they want to get contracts, whether that's with the Miami Dolphins, whether that's putting good tape out there for other teams. So you're going to get a competitive team, a team that those individual players want to perform well because this is their career. In the NFL, your resume is your game tape. You cannot put bad game tape out there. So those guys are going to compete to win the football game. Now, they're they're not as talented as the Bills anywhere near close. You know, they're the least talented team in football. But they're going to give it their best effort. Brian Flores wants his first win as a head coach. Now, obviously, the front office has depleted the roster and make it, made that very difficult, but don't think they're just going to roll over and say, beat us, Buffalo. They're not going to do that. You're going to have to go, and you're going to have to earn it. Tomorrow, we're going to go uh, with our Friday show. We're going to do some predictions. We're going to have banged up bills on to talk about the injury situation, which will be interesting coming out of the bye week. And, of course, any leftover thoughts that I have on this football game. So the week flew by. The bye week flew by. And we got a Buffalo Bills game here on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening. I always do kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. If you see me share it on social media, a retweet is always appreciated. If you like what's going on here, a five-star rating and a couple sentences in the review on iTunes is always very much appreciated as well. I'll be back again for you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening.